0: All right, good morning. Good morning. Isn't it a good thing that we can welcome one another in the Lord again? It's a precious time, a sweet time a gift from the Lord. So good morning and and welcome. Welcome to New City Church this morning and I'm Dan Martin. I am one of the elders here and we are we're, we're very thankful that you decided to come visit or come be with us this morning, and and if you are a visitor, we're especially thankful that you came to be with us this morning, and and if you would, if you would do me a do me a favor, uh, if you are a visitor, if you would. Stop. If you haven't done so already, if you would stop by the Connect Bar, which is out in the lobby, and fill out a Connect card, and we will not use that information to harass you or pester you. We will simply send you an email with a little bit of information about us, and that will give you a contact in case you want to, uh, if you so choose, to ask us any questions. In exchange for that card, you get the world's greatest coffee mug. It is a coffee mug with the New City logo on it, and it makes your coffee taste better than any other coffee. Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, you name it. Coffee in that cup tastes the best. And so I, I pray that you will, um, if you haven't already, stop by the, the Connect bar, fill out a, a, a Connect card, and let us know that you're here. Another thing that it does is it, let it lets us know that you're here so that we know to pray for you, and we, and we will pray for you. Um, even, even if you're just passing by, passing through this morning, and, and, you, and you will not be back because you're on the way somewhere else, I, I encourage you, even in that case, to fill out that card and receive your mug. And all we ask you to do is, is we'll pray for you, and, and as you drink your coffee uh, from your breakfast table in the morning, that you, you see that New City logo, and you remember to pray for us. We covet your prayers. And so announcements, um, Easter is right around the corner. Can y'all believe that? Um, and here in just a few weeks, so we have a good, good Friday service. Uh, we would love for you all to attend the Saturday before Easter we have a picnic in the park and a park and a Tattnall Square park and then we have an Easter egg for the children Easter egg hunt for the children in the park and we have adult field day and i 've been brained since I heard about that that no one will get hurt uh, <laughs> I know I would um, so so all that the Saturday before Easter and then on Easter morning we will have two Easter services here new city people please start now inviting people to all of these things if if people will come to to a church event or or come to a church at any time it is it is always easter so start start when you leave here think of think of someone the lord has laid upon your heart and invite invite them to come for for our easter services and all the other special events that we're having So, so do that now will you do that for me and one, and one more announcement. Out in the lobby, there uh, is a book titled Gospel Fluency. It's by Jeff Vanderstelt. And it, it is the book about how the gospel interacts with all uh, facets of our life. It is on sale for $15. That is a huge discount from its regular price. And I, and I just highly encourage you to, if you don't have it, to buy that book and to read it. It has made a huge difference in my life and how the gospel applies to all of life. And, I, and I'll talk a little bit about that. And it really goes hand-in-hand hand with this new sermon series that we have just started. So, okay, welcome to week two of the sermon series titled, The Gospel Changes Everything. Last week, Keith answered the question, what is the gospel? And this week, I hope to answer the question, what is faith? And we'll see how that faith and gospel interact and what, and what happens with that. And so, last week, Keith told us that the gospel is simply news. It is news about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we can either believe that news or not believe that news. And here's, here's one, one thing I want you to remember. That that is the gospel is the best news you will ever hear. It is the best news that you could ever tell anyone else. Think of all the best news that you read about to the, the greatness of the gospel. There's nothing better. The news about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and so why, y'all remember why Keith told us that it is such good news? Well, remember, he reminded us that there was bad news. And that when Adam and Eve, our first parents, entered uh, a sin against a, our great, holy, and just God, that, that sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, what did that bring? It brought separation from God and separation from one another. That brought judgment and death into the world and into our lives. And, and so, the, so the bad news what makes the gospel so beautiful the bad news is what makes the gospel so needed and such good news for our hearts and, and the moment that we believe this good news, the moment that we believe the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, we become children of God amen and, and our past every, everything that you've ever done is forgiven it's, it's wiped away It's like you never committed it. And and then your future is guaranteed. One day you will. Jesus is coming back and he's going to make everything on this earth right. No more sin, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. He's coming back. And when when he does, we'll walk in complete fellowship with him and in complete harmony with one another. So so in in Christ Jesus, we are forgiven, and that's great news. And our future is, is guaranteed, and that's great news. But what about now? What about today and tomorrow? What about next week, next month? What about all the time we have left between now and when our Savior returns? And I think far too often we err in, in one of two ways here. We either look at that, that forgiveness and that future grace that we've got, and we say, now it doesn't matter, and I can live however I want to live, and I have a license to sin. Or even that, Or and, and, and this error is just as bad. We can look at it and say, I'm, I'm forgiven. The, the, the gospel was so precious to me, and it was, it was good for my justification. It saved me. But now the rest of it's up to me, and I have to work myself to death. I have to work my fingers to the bone. I have to. Everything is up to me, and and I, what I hope to show you this morning is that both those ways of thinking and both of those ways of living are wrong. They're not what the Bible calls us to. And here's one truth that we can all agree on, and, and, that, and that things are not the way they should be. We are not the way we were created to be. This world is not the way it was originally created to be. Things, things are different. Think, think of all the professions and all the jobs that are, that are in this world today. And they're all there to bring about change. Doctors attempt to make us healthier. Teachers are trying to make us smarter. Psychologists try to change the way we think. Philosophers try to change our worldview. Social workers try to help those in need. Police officers are there to serve and, and, and protect us from harm. Government workers are there to bring about just and fair laws to make society a, a, a great place to live. And all the laws they pass are supposed to change things. All of those professions. The sole purpose of all of those professions is that they know that humanity needs to change and that's the point of, of me saying all of those things is, is whether you agree with how the change these people are trying to make changes or in what and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to bring them about the one thing they have in common is they all agree that this world is not the way it should be we are not the way that it should be and change needs to happen and throughout history we've made all kinds of attempts to change people if we could just educate people a little more they would stop sinning If we could pass better laws, people would stop sinning. If we could have better social programs, people would stop sinning. If we had better health care and better leaders in this world, people would stop sinning. And I think if we look around, look on Facebook, look on the internet, read the newspaper, if there's still such a thing, and you would have to agree that it's not that way anymore. It's not that way at all. We've tried all of those things and none of those things have worked. Humanity still needs to change. And so let me make it a little more personal. The first quarter of 2022 is almost over. Can y'all believe that? Here it is almost almost April 1st. We're getting really close. How are we doing on our New Year's resolutions? I read this week the most common resolutions that people make are to exercise more, to eat healthier, to spend more time with their family, and to lose weight. And I think I read that 5 to 10% of people keep their resolutions. I'd be surprised if it's that much. So why do you think people make New Year's resolutions? I think deep down we know that this, this world is not the way it's supposed to be. We know that we are not the way we were created to be. We sense, we sense in, our, in, our, in our inner longings that something is very, very wrong. We really, really want, really want to be the person that God created us to be. We deeply want to live a life to, to its fullest the way we were, we were created to be. And this is all a good thing. And I think the problem is, is we really don't know how to change. We know that change is there and change need, is needed, but I don't think we really know how to change. And I would argue that the church hasn't helped us in these matters. The church has, done, has given us plenty of rules, plenty of do's and plenty of don'ts. If you'll not do this, you'll, you'll, you'll stop sinning. You'll be more like Jesus. You'll do this. And so we, we, we pull up our bootstraps and we do our best and we, we work hard we try to fix things under our own power and we fail. I tell you what, in the church is not much different than in the world this way and that when we try these things and we fail, here's what results. Depression and anxiety and loneliness and separation and addiction. We try all of these things and we see that they, they don't work and we fall to despair. So so if we know the world is not the way it was created to be and we know that we are not created to be, uh, we are not the way that we were created to be the pressing question this morning is how do we bring about lasting change in our lives in the lives of others and in this world that's the question i hope i answer this morning it's a hard one and you'll have to think deeply about it but how do we bring about lasting change in our lives in the lives of others and in this world so Romans 8, 28, I want to read it quickly. And we're going to come back to it in a little bit. But let, let me read it. Let's listen to God's Word. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. So the change that we're looking for is right there in verse 29, to be conformed to the image of His Son. That is the change we all want. We want to become more and more like Jesus. I, want, I don't want you all to miss what I'm about to say. If there's anything that the elders at New City make and want for the, for the, for the partners, and really our community and beyond, but, but especially for our partners, is that all we do, all we pray Every everything, every ounce that of, of effort that we put in, it is to see you all transformed into the image of Jesus. That is our longing for every one of you. That that you will become every day. That every day you will become more and more like Jesus. And to, and and. That, that is our greatest desire for you. And today I hope to, bet, I hope to explain this in such a way that, that you better understand that process of what it looks like to become more and more Jesus. So this is where we're going today. I want, to, I want you to see this morning that, that change is possible. We don't live in, this, in, a, in a place where change can occur. Change can occur. I want you to see that knowledge is good, but faith working through love is better. And finally, I want you to see that lasting change comes when we truly believe the gospel. I'm going to say those again. I want you to see that change is possible. I want you to see that knowledge is good, but faith working through love is better. And I want you to see see that lasting change comes when we truly believe the gospel. So let's pray, and then we'll get started this morning. Father, we love you. We we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings. And Lord, I I pray that your spirit is at work in us this morning and through us this morning. Lord, we live in a world that is full of distractions and and obstacles and just just things that get in the way of us becoming more like your son, Jesus. And, And so Lord, I pray that Whatever's in the way this very moment, that by the power of your Spirit, that you, you take those things away. What, whatever is hindering us in our relationship with you, Lord, take those things away. Lord, I pray that our time this morning, it makes much of you. That we see how beautiful you are, how glorious you are, and that we, we, we learn to love you, and we come to follow you, and we, and we come to trust you all the more. And so, Father, work in us this very moment. Change us more and more into the image of your Son. We love you. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So the first thing I want you to see this morning is change is possible. In fact, this change is a promise of God to you. Change is possible. And this, and this change is a promise of God to you. So let's look back at Romans eight twenty eight and 29. I'll read uh, God's Word once again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. So before the beginning of time, before anything that we know was ever Created. Not only did God choose to call you out of darkness and to save you, but he also promised, you see that, before he foreknew, he predestined, he set it in motion before anything was ever created, before you were ever born, to conform you into the image of his Son. And just as we just, I love how our series connect. And just as we learn through the life of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we learn that God is faithful and true, that he is a faithful promise keeper. And that's what these verses tell us, that he's promised and, 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 and purposed to conform everyone who loves him into the image of his son. For those who love God, this change will happen. He's promised it, and he is a promise keeper. I I want you to also see how he brings about these promises. In verse 28, he says, All things work together for good. So the first thing we have to agree on is all things is all things. Sounds silly, doesn't it? But sometimes we don't think it does. All things means all things. And so God will use difficult things, good things, difficult circumstances, and hard circumstances he will use all things, whatever means possible, to conform us into the image of His Son. And so I, w- I want you to think back about the events of 2020 and 2021. Think about all the political division and all the racial division and, all, and the pandemic and whether we, are, we should wear a mask and whether we shouldn't or whether we should be vaccinated or whether we shouldn't. And I want to ask you, did God use that difficult situation to conform you into the image of His Son? Did He soften your heart during those times? Did He cause you to become a better listener? Did He cause you to be more understanding towards people who don't look like you or think like you? Did He cause you to love your neighbor more than you did the year before? Did He give you a greater measure of wisdom and discernment? Many, many, many brothers and sisters that I've talked to about the, 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 the events of 2020 and 21, that's exactly what they confessed to me, that God worked through all of that to change them, to change them into the image of His Son, to give them a softer heart, to give them the more understanding towards people, to love their neighbors as Jesus has called them to. So, so for those of us who love God, God uses all things, good, bad, bad, joyous, and sad. He uses all of, those, all of those situations to conform us into the image of His Son. And not only has He promised to change us into the image of His Son, but He's told us that it's a process. And I want you to, I want you to listen to this and think about this, the fact that our, our becoming more and more like Jesus is a process. And I want that to encourage you this morning. Because many of us want things to happen now. We want, we want what we want, and we want it now. I want to be like Jesus, and I want to be like him now. And then when that doesn't happen, we fall into despair. And so, so God tells us that this, 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 this becoming, his work in us, changing us into the image of his son, him fulfilling that promise, he, tell us that, he tells us that that is a process. And let's read from 1 John chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 1. And we'll see this process right here. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason that the world does not know him is that it know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we will know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because he we we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Do you you see that, the the moment that that we believe in the gospel? the moment that we believe that that Jesus lived the life that we should have lived, the moment that we we believe that his his death covered all of our penalties for, for all of our sin and for all of our rebellion, the moment we believe that he rose from the dead, defeating everything that stands in the way of us becoming like Jesus, we become children of God. And not just children, it says we become loved children. So in our imperfect state, In all of our trials and all of our struggles, and in this process, God loves us. And nothing can stop that. Nothing can take that away. And He promises in this to change us. And He promises and and He tells us this change is going to be a process. And He says, We are not what we will be when Jesus returns. That means He's going to change us from this day forward until that day. He is going to work in us and change us. And it's different for every Christian. For those of us who have children and we have more than one child, we know that they all grow and learn at different rates and in different ways. And and, and some of them learn this way and some of them learn that way. And it's the same thing for us in Christ. Some of us grow rapidly and some of us grow a little slower. And while the process of becoming like Jesus differs for, for all of us, no matter if it's fast or it's slow, God loves you. And nothing can stop that. Why is that? Hear me. Because His love is, for you is not based on what you do. It's based on what His Son has already done for you. Let's look at another verse that describes that our sanctification is a process. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are, are being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Again, we see that we are being transformed into the image of Jesus is a process again. We are being transformed from one image of glory to another. And the verse says that this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So God is working in us and through us to change us into the image of His Son. And He's doing this through the power of His Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that empowered Jesus resist all the sin, all the temptation that, that Satan threw his way is the same very spirit that sits in us and allows us to change and become more and more like Jesus. That same spirit resides in us. And so God saved you. He has promised to, to change you and to encourage you. said, hey, it's going to be a, a process. And he's given us the, the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, to empower us to change. And that's really amazing. But the, but the question is, do you believe? Do you believe this truth? Do you believe that God is going to... Do you believe this promise that He will change you into the image of His Son? And some of you may be thinking, Dan, I hear you. I know change is possible and I understand that it's a process, but it just doesn't feel that way. I feel stuck. I feel like I'm doing all of the right things. I read my Bible, I pray, I'm in a DNA group or two. I'm in a missional community and I serve regularly and I'm here every Sunday morning, but I don't feel like I'm growing. And for many of us, this this is the problem. Is we think we pursue this change through gaining knowledge or through doing things, through knowing more things. And we really can't help it because that's our Western culture. Our Western culture has taught us it's all about what we know. That's what, that's what this world says, no more. And so the second thing I want you to see this morning is knowledge is good, but faith working through love is better. Knowledge is good, but faith working through love is better. So let's talk about knowledge. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So that verse tells us that knowledge is a good thing that we should we should seek after knowledge. And I never ever want you to hear me or any other elder here say that 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 or minimize the importance of the knowledge of truth, the knowledge of God's word, the knowledge of God's attributes, the knowledge of the gospel. Think about it. Without the the bare tenets of the of the knowledge of the gospel, we we couldn't even be Christians. So we have to have some knowledge. So knowledge about God and his attributes and all of his plans and purposes that we see in his word. God it, in the gospel, through his life, death, and resurrection. All of these are good things and they're needed things. But if we think we're going to change through knowledge alone, we're wrong. Change doesn't come through knowledge alone. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way in our lives. So let me give you a personal example. So a few years back, I don't know, I can't remember, 17, 2018, somewhere in there, I graduated from seminary. And I was a fairly new Christian when I started it three years before that. And when I was when I was in seminary, or before seminary, I was I was really growing in my love for the Lord. I was growing in, 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 my, in my love for Him, and in Him, I was growing with, in love with His people, and His ways, and the church. And I remember my professor, the very... My very first professor, my very first semester, said, Dan, do not let the studies of this class or any other class take you away from your personal devotion. And he was right. And as the demand for time on my life from those studies and from family and from work, my desire for knowledge overtook my desire to know, love, love. Follow Jesus, to be in fellowship with Jesus. And I remember the day of graduation. I remember the feeling of such accomplishment. I remember that great feeling. But also remember the feeling of emptiness on the very next day. I sat there and I thought, I've read the greatest minds, and I've read the greatest books, and I've listened to the greatest preachers preach the greatest sermons. I've read about all the men of faith that have gone before me. And now I sat there empty wondering what was next. None of, none of it was worth it if my relationship with the Lord suffered. And so for three years, I gained a lot of head knowledge. But I failed to take heed to my professor's wisdom. And as a result, I was mostly unchanged in those three years. And as a result, if anything, my head swelled up with pride. And I, and I suspect that I'm, I'm not alone in this desire for knowledge. and Maybe you've been filling your mind with knowledge about the truth of God week after week after week, reading all the right books, listening to all these amazing podcasts, listening to great sermons, but very little has actually changed in your life. Maybe you feel stuck. You're stuck in the same sins and the same addictions. And even after all of that work that you put in, you look back and you say, I don't see my life changing Nothing has changed. And your heart maybe even grew cold because you didn't understand that was that was not God's design for you. That was not his way to grow you. So knowledge of the truth is a good thing, but it's not enough. Remember what James wrote in chapter 2, verse 19? He says, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Even the demons had knowledge of God and they and they feared God. I don't they weren't changed. Why was that? I don't think we were created to be changed by what we know alone, but I think, rather, we were created to be changed by faith, working through love. I think we were created to be changed by faith, working through love. So Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count for anything, but only faith working through love. And so what is faith? And so faith, Hebrews 11, one describes faith as this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So our faith is not wishful thinking. It is an assured hope. It is, a, it is a deep-seated conviction about the things that you have not seen, but the things that you truly believe to be true. So faith is rooted in our knowledge, but it's not head knowledge. It's that epigenosco knowledge that Keith talked about maybe a couple of years ago when we went through 2 Peter and we, in the very first sermon in that series, chapter one, I went back and listened to it this past week. And I would encourage you to do so too. Uh, maybe it was in July of 2019. You'll find it on our website. But, it, but, it, but it's that, that faith that's rooted not in head knowledge, but in, but in heart knowledge. And so faith is, 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 is true Belief. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying that in Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that matters, that the only thing that's of any benefit, the only thing that avails anything is faith working through love. And so the love that Paul is talking about here is, is the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. So change occurs in a Christian's life when we truly believe how much God loves us. And we know how much He loves us because of the gospel. Change occurs in a Christian's life when we truly believe how much God loves us. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying here in Galatians. So remember, the Galatian church, they were facing uh, many false teachers. And these false teachers were were teaching that you are saved by faith in Jesus plus works, plus keeping the law. And they were also saying that you're changed, that you're sanctified, that you're made into the image of Jesus by keeping the law. Galatians 2 tells us that, that even Peter and Barnabas fell into this way of thinking for a short period of time that were changed by keeping the law. It's easy for us to fall into that way of thinking too. We, 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 we do all these good things. We read, we start to keep the law. And yet we wonder why our lives remain unchanged. God did not justify us by our works and God does not sanctify us. By our works, faith working through love, through the God's love for us, changes everything. And, and because of because of His love, and because of the Spirit of God that is producing love in us, we can change. We can really love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We can love our neighbor more this year than we did last year, and we we. In of our own strength, we have no capacity to accomplish or to muster up this kind of love. It is, it is faith in the great and precious promises of God. It is faith in the gospel that this love is generated in our hearts. And so, and so by saying that faith working through love is the only thing that benefits... Listen to what Paul is saying. He's, he is explaining that the same power of God that saved us is the same very power that, that changes us, that makes us more and more like Jesus God doesn't want you to know all of the facts about him so that you can follow a set of rules. He wants you to know him and to love him, to walk with him and to trust him, to believe him all by faith. And one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Hosea 6.6. 6, and in that verse, God says this. He says, I don't want your sacrifices. He doesn't need them. He says, I, I want your love. He says, I don't want your offerings. He doesn't need those either. He says, I want you to know me. So knowledge, brothers and sisters, (laughs) knowledge is part of our transformation, but it is not the chief end of our transformation. Jesus, knowing him, loving him, following him, being molded into his image is the chief end of our transformation. And so more than any amount of greater knowledge what do we need to do? We need to do like Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus. Love Him and get to know Him. We need to believe when we truly believe the gospel about Him. And finally, we need to believe that lasting change comes when we truly believe the gospel. So, that, so change in our life doesn't come through passivity. The, the old Christian cliche, the cliche that says, let go and let God, that's not biblical. And change does not occur through our sheer self-will and determination to keep the law. Change, this, this process of becoming more and more like Jesus, is hard work. But this hard work stems from right belief. And so remember what John, what Jesus what, what the people asked Jesus in, 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 in John chapter 6. He says, they, they asked Jesus, say, what then is the work of God? And Jesus responded, this is the work of God that you believe. And this word believe here is, is present tense. It doesn't mean that you believe one time and then you're done. It means that you believe and you keep believing and you keep believing and you keep believing. It is through right belief in the gospel that we are changed and become more and more like Jesus. And So, so I want to finish this morning with just... A few examples from Scripture. I want you all to know this way of thinking that the, that the gospel changes everything, that the, the gospel changes the way we live. The gospel changes our heart. It's not something that I came up with. It's not something that Jeff Vanderstel came up with. This is how Scripture works. And so I just want to give a few examples as we close this morning. So for the first example, the gospel gives us hearts of humility. The gospel gives us hearts of humility. In Philippians 2, Paul is encouraging the believers to be of one mind and to be humble. And maybe, maybe in the church the sin of division and pride had crept into the church. And then in verse 2 he instructs the believers to be of one mind and do all things in humility. Skip from verse 2 all the way down to verse 12 and the apostle Paul tells them to work out their salvation. Work it out, right? And hear me. We read those isolated. We think the Apostle Paul is teaching self-determination. We think he's teaching to sheer human effort. Pull your bootstraps up and get with it. To verses 5 to 13. Listen to the Apostle Paul. He says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and in earth, and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Therefore. In verse 12. So because of all of that good news that you just heard. Because, of, because that he. Became a man. And, 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 and humbled himself. To the point of death. On a cross. Therefore. Therefore. My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now only in, as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See that this command to obey is grounded in the gospel? He's telling the believers to believe the gospel by faith and through that obey. Paul didn't tell them to do better to work harder, to stop being a jerk, stop being at odds with everyone. Now he reminded them of the gospel, and he pointed them to Jesus and Jesus' love for them. And he's urging them to, to believe the gospel, to have faith in God's promises in the gospel, and from that position, then obey. That's how it works, through believing the gospel. And so let me give you another example. The gospel makes us generous. So in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the apostle Paul is encouraging the Corinthian to give. To give to those in need, to give to the poor. In those verses, he is an apostle. He's not appealing to their emotions by telling them all of these sad stories about all the trials and troubles that they're going through and all the suffering that they're experiencing. He puts no pressure on them whatsoever. Let's look what he says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you by his poverty might become rich. When Paul, cites, when Paul writes, you know the grace, he, he's bringing the gospel into the sphere of wealth and poverty. And, he, and he's reminding them that, that of God's costly, life-giving grace that he expended upon them freely. And he's urging the Corinthians to believe this good news. Believe that God lavishly poured out his grace on you through the life, death, and resurrection of his son. And, and believe that until your heart is changed to be generous, like Jesus. Maybe some of the Corinthians were anxious about their money. This is what Paul is telling them. You you don't have to worry about your money. The gospel proves God's love for you and his care for you and his provision for you. You don't need security in your own efforts. You already have security in him. One more example. The gospel changes relationships quickly from Ephesians 5. And if, if we had time, we would read all of it. But in Ephesians 5, we see that when we believe the gospel, that it changes our marriages. Husbands and wives are able to interact as God has created them to do so. In Ephesians 6, we see that when we believe the gospel, that we become better parents. We parent our children the way God has called us to. And when we, believe, and we also see that we become better children. We're able to obey our parents when we believe. We're able to honor our parents when we believe the gospel. And also in Ephesians 6, we see that the gospel changes us into better employers and employees. Believing the gospel is what changes everything. And so the saying is true. You've seen our t-shirts and, and some of our stickers that we've got out there. The gospel changes everything. It's true. The gospel does change everything. God has promised to to change you, and he will. And he'll use whatever means necessary to change you, whether it's good times, bad times, suffering, or success. He will take all of that and change you. He'll even use very practical means to change you. And here at New City, this is not the end of all, but we, we have already a lot of practical means in place for God to transform you into the image of his son. We have community Bible reading. We all read scripture together. Every day, And we have a way to communicate that with one another and build one another up. We have DNA groups. DNA groups are groups of men and groups of women, normally around two to four people in each group. And, and DNA stands for discover. Discover what God's Word says. Nurture. Nurture one another in the gospel and how that applies to life. And then act that out. Then live that out. So those those DNA groups do those things together. We have missional communities that are a family of missionary servants. And they they love on one another. They they build up one another. We have Sunday morning prayer time in between service. I encourage you all to get involved in that. The Lord changes us as we pray. And then, of course, our Sunday morning services. Everything we do Sunday morning from the, the music to the liturgy. To the, uh, to, the, to, the, to the preaching, to the, to the Lord's table, as we'll get to in a minute. Everything we do on Sunday morning is just just practical things that build, eh, supernatural things that build us up and, and make us more and more like Jesus. So the pressing, the pressing question that you have to answer this for yourself, the pressing question we have this morning is, why do we do those things? Why are you doing those things? Why are you here this morning? Are you doing these things to check off the box? To gain knowledge? To keep some rule that someone set for you? Are you doing these things to gain uh, that head knowledge? To prove yourself to God and maybe even to, to prove yourself to others? Or are we doing these things from a place of faith? Faith working through love. Faith in the great and precious promises of God. Are we doing these things because because you know God and His love for you? And you want that to grow? You want your love for Him to grow? Are you doing these things because you want to just sit at the feet of Jesus and rest in the finished work of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? And through all of that, be transformed into His image? Your answer to that matters. Matters, and if, it, and if it, your answer is because of faith, through faith, God will work in you and change you. He promises that. Let's pray, Father. We love you. We thank you for this day and your many blessings, Lord. Just, I just, I just, I pray for this for, for this body, and Lord, I pray for our community, and I, I, I pray for the for this whole state and country, and um, Lord, the world. I pray that you are made known and that, Lord, through the the preaching of your word and through the the goodness of your gospel, the glorious of your gospel, that people come to know, love, and follow you. Lord, that people, uh, their faith in you, not just knowledge, but their faith in you grows exponentially. And they sit at your feet and they love you and they worship you. Lord, that is our end to enjoy you. So, Father, work, work in those ways, work. Work miraculous ways to do those things. Lord Jesus, we love you. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.